Welcome to Open Court with Fairfield basketball coach Chris Casey. This is your podcast destination for Fairfield Hoops. Along with the coach and Bob Huesler, joined by my broadcast partner, the Fairfield Hall of Famer Joe DeSantis. And our special guest today is the Stags' new assistant coach. New coach, certainly not new to Fairfield basketball. We're talking, of course, about Taj Benning. Stags off to a one and two start. Road losses at Boston College and URI, followed by a victory in the home opener against Mount St. Mary. Chris, uh, let's take those three games as a collective. And other than getting healthier, which you did do, you got a couple of players back against Mount St. Mary uh, with the return of Jalen Leach and Caleb's Fields. But your overall view of the progress the Stags have made, again, taking those three games as a collective, the progress you've made so far early in this season. Um, I think there's been progress. I think there's got to be a lot more. Um, our guys are absorbing a lot of new stuff uh, in terms of what we want to do offensively and what we want to do defensively, as well as trying to absorb scouts on our opponents. Uh, so so that everything is new for them. Uh, it's not, not not like there's existing concepts or things that they're, they're aware of that uh, they have to retain everything right now. Um, so I think there's been progress. There's got to be more. Uh, I thought we were a little better offensively on Monday night than we had been, um, and we have to continue that. And then defensively, I think the, the two things that I, I, I want to get better at in, in the short term here and do a better job of is, one, guarding the basketball, and two, doing a better job of rebounding the basketball. So those two things we need to concentrate on and, and be better at. But, you know, overall, I, I don't see huge setbacks in us. I see uh, daily uh, progress in, in baby steps, which is what I want to see right now. Uh, and getting those guys back from injury has been good for us. And, and now we got to get them up to speed with what we're doing um, and add them to the rotation. And it's going to allow us to throw some more bodies at people. Let's talk about the uh, rebounding issue. We want to rebound it better. Now, you're going to rebound it better just by default when you get the two injured bigs back. And we'll be talking about them a little later during the podcast, talking, of course, about uh, Alexis Yetna and um, Barima Sek. But as far as rebounding is concerned, considering that you're playing without two bigs, how do you compensate? What are the things you can do as a team to accomplish the goal of rebounding better knowing that you don't have your two literally big weapons there on the floor right now well you have to work on it daily in practice which we do uh but more importantly we have to understand that we have to i use the phrase gang rebound the basketball everybody's got to be involved uh, and our guards are just as important with that as anybody in the front court they have to be able to dig out 50 50 rebounds you know those balls that are tipped around uh that somebody's got to grab uh Balls that get uh, that are long rebounds, they have to do a better job of digging those out. So it, it's not it's not one guy. It's not solely the front court's job to rebound a basketball. I just think overall as a team, we have to do a we're not doing a poor job of it, but we have to do a better job of it. So if you're a team, obviously you are. That's going to get out and run. Is it a concern that the guys? And, and I, after the one game, I'm not even sure, do you run on – I'm, I'm going to ask you a couple of things. Do so you run on makes, and are you concerned that because you're, your emphasis is so much is getting out and run, they're not going to finish possessions, which hurts your rebound? That's always a battle. You know, you can't run if you don't get stops. And, we, yes, we do want to run on makes, too, and we're getting that in baby steps, too. Getting the ball out of the net, getting out of bounds, 
the guard making that banana cut and getting the ball going up the floor. Uh, so we're doing a little bit better job of that. And and uh, we've had we've had um, small spots of where we can early the ball up and get a quick post up or early the ball up and get a transition three. Um, so we're getting little bits of that. Um, we got to get more of it on makes and misses. Uh, but yeah, you, you're right, Coach. The the, um, the 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 concern is always guys leaking out when a shot goes because now you're a Division One basketball player. You have to do both. You got to get a stop, secure the ball, and then get out and run. Uh, it's a step by step process. You uh, address the rebounding. Uh, challenge and you know team rebounding you the guards to rebound as well as your front court guys talk about the other thing that you addressed guarding the ball better specifically how do you get better in that regard well it, it's um daily work and practice obviously um it's technique you know you have to close out the right way close out on the right shoulder force the ball a certain way um but it's more more so a mindset that hey i got to keep guys in front of me i mean if any if you watch that if you watch that Kansas-Kentucky game last night, that was a fast-paced game. But I thought both teams really tried to sit down and keep guys in front of them off the dribble. And those are some high-level athletes. And, you know, we have to get to that point where – because we're doing some switching. I think we have a team that can switch uh, one through four, that can switch ball screens one through four. So we need everybody to sit down and guard. You're not going to totally eliminate uh, getting beat off the dribble – uh, but you have to minimize it as much as possible, uh, and and that's something that we have to get better. If you do nothing else in your defense but guard the ball really well, you don't have to worry about working on anything else. So uh, you're talking about switching. You're talking about guarding guys. How much emphasis do you put on the scouting report? I've always been an 80-20 guy. I, I think it's 80% us, 20% them. So today we did some Drexel stuff. We did a couple breakdown drills. Uh, what I like to do is I like to, uh, early in the practice, do a couple segments of three-on-three of three or four-on-four four breakdown drills that are a good depiction of the base of what they're trying to do offensively, whether it's screen-to-screener actions, whether it's screen-into-a-ball-screen actions, whether it's point action, whatever it might be. And then later on in the practice, do a segment where we're guarding those sets as a whole. So you get the breakdown of what the most important things are in the offense to guard, and then you get the segment of all of it five-on-five in a whole. So you you don't do like Bob's favorite college football coach and live scout, do you? What would what, I got to you got to give me that one. What what is that? Bob's a big blue fan yeah. and coach Harbaugh is in deep. It, oh, I know he's in deep. Yeah, yeah. Also, oh, you're a Michigan guy. Okay, I got it now. I got it now. I got Michigan it. football. Has he has he enlisted your help yet, Bob, to go out and see some get some calls and see some games? Desperate times require okay. desperate measures yeah. for sure. Um you talked about the things you want to work on. You mentioned uh, guarding the ball better and um rebounding the ball better. How about the uh, pleasant surprises so far in this early part of the season, uh, three games? And what are the things that you've seen that you've said, wow, okay, this has been something that uh, uh, I'm pleased with and maybe didn't expect? Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I won't say didn't expect it, but I am pleased with the fact that I think we're playing hard and we're playing together um, offensively and defensively. I, I think we've, we've been first to the floor on loose balls in all three games. Um, I think we're running the court well in all three games. Uh, so I, I haven't been surprised at that. I expected it, but I'm pleased with that part of it. 
I feel like we're starting to make a little bit of progress in understanding what it is I'm trying to get us to do offensively, too. We're still in that stage of think before you react, you know, to make sure that we, we kind of are in the right spots or heading to the right spots or setting the right screen or reversing the ball the right way. Uh, but I think we're making a little bit of progress in that area. I thought today's practice showed a little bit of that. Um, so, you know, we have more work to do in that. I'm also pleased the fact that we have, I think we have five guys in double figures right now, um, which I like. You know, I want everybody involved offensively and, you know, everybody, uh, the more threats you have, the better you're going to be on offense. Um, so that's been good. And uh, I've been pleased with our ability to limit turnovers in the second half. We have stretches in the first half where we turn the ball over, we talk about it at halftime, and then we come out and have three turnovers in the second half or four turnovers in the second half. We have to span that over both halves now, you know, where we get 10 or under in the, that turnover stat. I'm sure we touched upon this in the first podcast, but I want to revisit it. Um, you took over as head coach in mid-October, and I believe you had 11 practices or so before that opener against Boston College. Um, so instead of being the continuum, now you have a new coach. And that new coach is going to take some time to implement his style and you know put his imprint on what this basketball team is going to look like on the floor. How far along are you to making that imprint? How much more time do you think it will take before you look at this team and say you know this is now a Chris Casey team yeah I mean it's hard to put a an exact figure on it if I was to do it percentage wise I'm going to say we're about 30 percent of where I want to be you know somewhere in that number um, part of that is short time frame part of it is guys trickling back from injuries that now have to get up to speed and then two more guys that their injuries are long-term and getting them up to speed. But I'd say we're in that range, that 25% to 30 range of, of starting to get some of, of what I want to do. Um, and we have to find a way to, to, to uh, keep progressing in that area. I do, like, as I said earlier in the podcast, I think we're, I think we're making daily progress. I haven't seen big steps backwards. Um, but we have to keep making that progress and, and continue to, to play hard and, and play aggressively and, and get that part of it. Uh, but I would say somewhere in that neighborhood, Bob, okay. 25 to 30% of, of where we want to be. Uh, some housekeeping things before we uh, bring in your new assistant, uh, Taj Benning. Uh, the return of James Johns Jr. to the program, um, he put his name into the transfer portal, removed it. He was in uniform on Monday and played very well, had a double-double in the game against uh, Mount St. Mary's. Take us through the steps that led to his departure and then his return, and then tell us about now that he has returned, where, where are the areas of improvement from his game last year to where it is now? But let, let's take that two-part question. First, the timeline with James leaving, coming back, and then what he can mean as far as impacting this program is concerned. Yeah, well, I'll give you the answer to the second part of that first. We're really happy he's back. Um, he's He loves Fairfield, and he loves being here. He loves playing with his teammates. Um, so we're, we're excited he's back, and obviously he has the ability to make an impact on the program. He's a mismatch problem. Um, you know, he'll play some – 
some of that three spot for us. But right now he's playing more of that four spot, and I think he's an issue there to guard because he can shoot the ball, he drives the ball. You can X things with him because he can guard multiple guys on the floor. Um, so he's going to mean a lot to us, and I, I'm ha very happy that he's back. Uh, in terms of the timeline, you know, I, I think that the short answer to that is with his dad, you know, looking at stepping down, um, it, it's hard on him. You know, it, he's going to have conflicted emotions about that. Um, he's a young guy that, that has, has those conflicted emotions and, and makes a decision sometimes on the emotions and maybe realized it, um, as we all do at times in our lives, you know, and then we backtrack and maybe reassess it, which he did, and, you know, pretty quickly decided that it, it, I, I love it here and this is where I want to be. And uh, we're all in 100% support of him, and we're in 100% support of him coming back. Uh, I'm glad he's back. The staff's glad he's back, and his teammates are glad he's back. So I, I know we want to get to Taj, but I got kind of the we, we don't We don't need to rush to get to Taj. It's okay. There's, there's no rush I, for I that. I think you're so wearing we, him down. He's yeah, tired to me. He looks I'm exhausted, already, doesn't he? He's he's got him. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, the, the kind of baby elephant in the room. It, it's got to be hard for you and your staff, certainly hard for the younger players, a Matt Curtis even like a, a James John Jr. is only a sophomore, didn't get to play a lot. With all these upperclassmen that every team is bringing in, that you're bringing in, how do you sell these guys on to be patient? Do you, do you know what I'm asking? Yeah, I, I do know what you're asking. I and think, this is going on everywhere. If yeah. I'm a high school freshman, I'm like, I, I can't go to prep school till I'm 24 years old when I can compete against some of these guys. I got to come, you know, I got to come when I'm 18, 19, maybe 20. Yeah. So how do you, it's got to yeah, be a it's, it's a different world in that regard. I mean, I, I I forget the exact number, but I, I want to say the average age of the Final Four teams was like 24 years old. You know, about, so yeah. uh, um, so how do you sell them on it? I, I think you know the best thing you can do is I, with the way we want to play. You can play multiple guys. You mm -hmm. saw that on Monday night, um, and if we can really get after you and create some pressure and run the floor, it's hard to play like that for extended, extended minutes without the next guy coming in right behind you. So I think it leaves opportunities for more guys. Uh, to be on the floor. I think that's the most important thing to have to realize. Now, as a team, we have to support that, and we have to be bought into that, and we have to be about each other um, and, and realize that, you know, I'm going as hard as I can for that four or five-minute span, and then the guy coming behind me is just as capable, and I'm going to root for him when he's in there. And that's got to be our mindset with that. But I think that's the short answer to your question, Joe, is I think the best way you do that is, is involve him. Yeah, you, you, and I used to say this, and I'll say, you, you almost got to, I used to say this to my kids, you, you almost got to judge yourself on the quality of your minutes, not necessarily the quantity, and eventually one, your quantity will work out if you play more. You just, you, as a coach, you got to convince them to just play as hard as they can for those minutes, and things, good things will happen. But let's go on to something else, but I still think, man, if I'm a high school freshman, it's hard. It's hard those high school you kids. You look at man. all these guys that are transferring in. Where the Very heck hard. am I going to play? Right I will now? tell you this, though. When you get – so so this is, you know, when you recruit freshmen in that early signing period, some of what they have to realize is if you wait to sign later on, you're now putting yourself in a pool with 1,800 Division One guys that are in the portal, right. uh, over 1,100 Division Two guys that are in the portal, the junior college guys that have not made decisions yet, you know, so they're going to make. And 
most of the foreign kids haven't made decisions. So you're really putting yourself in a large pool. So it's better for those high school kids to find the right place and make some decisions early rather than late. Because late, and we'll do the same thing. You're going to look at the portal. You're going to look at the junior college. You're going to look at the older guys that are available out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's something we're going to talk about no doubt. a little later, no doubt. Uh, not only during maybe this podcast, but that's an issue f- to mm. bring up as uh, the season moves along. Seasons, actually. I don't see this changed anytime no. soon. A couple of other housekeeping things. Uh, we've already mentioned Caleb Fields returned the other night, and uh, so did Jalen Leach. They were both dealing with leg injuries. So how did they come out of the Mount St. Mary's game, uh, they physically sound and ready to go this weekend in Philadelphia? Yeah, I thought they were good. I don't think that they're at a point yet where they totally trust um, their healed injury. You know, that takes a minute sometimes. It takes a few practices. It takes some game time. Um, Jalen was a little bit slowed on Monday night with the two fouls in the first half, and I elected to, to keep him out. Um, it's kind of what I like to do. Uh, and then I thought that, you know, Caleb was Caleb was good. I mean, you could tell he wasn't trying to uh, explode and attack the, attack the lane as much as he normally would do and, you know, try to get up the floor as quickly as he normally does. Um, and it's going to take him a minute to, to trust that injury and, and just know it's 100% healed and go without thinking about it. And the same with Jalen. But that will happen for them eventually. I thought they both had good practices today. So they're fully ready to go uh, this weekend. Maybe again, not extended minutes, but uh, ready to go in both of those yeah, games. Yeah, they'll, they'll both be available. Yes. Um, you told us the other night before the Mount St. Mary game that uh, Barima Sek, uh, speaking to you on Monday, had come out of the boot and has now begun his rehab uh, process. How long does the rehab take? How many weeks? And then uh, how long does it get him? Will it take him to get back up to basketball speed? Yeah. So Bariba got out of the boot yesterday at about 4 o'clock, I think. And in true Bariba fashion, he started his rehab that night while we were doing warm-ups on the court. Like, he's anxious to get out there. Yeah. He, he can't wait to play. Um, so uh, he'll be he'll be doing rehab seven days a week, possibly twice a day if he'll, his ankle will tolerate it. Uh, his rehab, uh, the loose time frame on that is probably two weeks, uh, and then he gets on the court, uh, and then there'll be a little bit of a return to play once he gets on the court. Uh, maybe not ready to go contact right away, maybe not ready to get through a full practice right away. My hope is that within three weeks to three and a half weeks, we'll have him back being able to not think about the injury and go, and then we got to get him up to speed with what we're doing. And uh, the other big, we're probably going to ask you about him, Coach, until um, there is a, a definitive return date for him. But I think we can talk in terms of, yeah, there's going to be a, a return date. It's looming. Uh, I guess the best way to put it with uh, Alexis Yetna is that he's hitting all the benchmarks, right? And he is on schedule Again, just to throw it out there, just for discussion's sake, late December maybe uh, we might look at uh, his return? Yeah, I'm hoping late December. Uh, it's funny, right before the podcast, I was actually in the in the gym. Uh, he was doing a little bit of slow running, which is good for me because I ran next to him because so, I am a <laughs> slow runner, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was it was just very limited, you know. But it's a start, and um, he was able to, to – uh, um, 
get to a full squat position, you know, non-weight-bearing, of course, but he was able to do that the other day and then replace himself to a standing position out of that full squat, so he's getting mobility back in, in the knee. Um, I'm hopeful end of December, and then it's going to take him some time, uh, to, again, to get up to speed with what we're doing and then, you know, be able to trust his, his leg and, and play without without thinking about the injury. But that's my hope is late December we can – we can start mixing them into full contact practice. Yeah, um, forgive me. There, there are two people that know me pretty well. It's Bob and my wife. I'm all over the place. But in talking <laughs> about Yetna, I'm looking at um, the big fella, Peyton Smith, right? I'm looking at Sec. I'm looking at Yetna. Am I looking at all fives or I'm looking at fours and fives? I know. Can you give me a quick yeah, answer on I, that one? I think with what we do, there's a little bit of uh, – carry over from four to five from that spot you know they're both doing some similar things um i don't you know lex it's going to depend on how he comes back you know he he was a, he was a phase four going into his his career when he was lex when he mm -hmm. was playing mm -hmm. um that doesn't mean we can't use him at the five too you know because again because there's similarities to what both positions do in, in the system um but uh you know, it, it, it depends on how he gets back that's going to determine, you know, what he can do for us. Uh, and then Barima, probably the same. You know, again, a little more maybe of a, of, a, of a five, but you could certainly have a lineup of him and Lex out there together, you know, and play them at the foot. And then instead of, you know, Louis doing a great job of playing that four and popping for us and, you know, off ball screens and off actions and getting open shots and, um, you know, Barima would be a little different at that spot. You short roll him a little bit more, and he catches and drives it from that spot. So you can make some adjustments and, and play some of those guys together. Louis uh, Bleachmore tweaked the ankle the other night late in that game against Mount St. Mary. He's good, right? He, he, he stayed in the game, and he shot free throws, but he's, he's fine in practice right now. He did tweak it. He practiced today. Um, he was in and, in and out of some stuff, but for the most part, he practiced. So... You know, a couple treatments today and hopefully get through practice tomorrow and he'll feel 100% okay. on, on Friday. And then Bryson, I mean, he's a guy that dislocated his toe, right? And he's playing 35 minutes. Is he is he walking around limping? Is is he okay? Yeah, he, he's he got that old man walk a little bit anyway, <laughs> you know. I, like, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he. I mean, he's been a warrior, man. He just yeah. – he's been practicing off that toe and I don't think it's 100%, you know. And uh, it may be a, a little bit of time before it is, but I, I don't see it. You know, he does a good job of putting it out of his mind and just trying to play. He, he doesn't really, you know, he's not using that as a reason why something didn't happen for him. You know, he's just playing. So. Uh, time to shift gears here, and we'll set it up by asking you, Chris, uh, about um, the decision-making process when you got the job involving – Two new assistant coaches. Glenn Breika was one choice, and the other was uh, Taj Benning. What made you think of Taj when you decided to uh, make that phone call and offer him the job? Well, I think, you know, a, a few things, Bob. The, the first thing was I know what, what Taj is as a young man. You know, it, I've said this before. You know, he, he and I missed over the course of two years when I was an assistant here maybe – eight, ten nights of getting in the gym and shooting. Uh, he, he couldn't get in there enough, you know, and he worked and worked, and he turned himself into a very good player. 
who I think should have been an all-conference guy. Uh, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. I agree. Uh, uh-huh. uh, but he tur- he worked himself into being a player. And so, you know, as a coach, you're always thinking, okay, who could potentially is a guy that I would hire based on, you know, what I know about him. So that was the first thing. Like That tells me that he's going to work and he's going to fight through stuff And because you need a lot of resiliency in this business. Joe knows that. Like there's no, there's no smooth sailing in this business. It's always – it's constant put out a brush fire. It's constant – you know, pull something together. It's constant. You gotta, you know, lead. So I, I thought from watching him, he would do that. Um, and then the other part of it is he, he's a, he's a, a great person. You know, um, he, he's just a really good person. He loves the game of basketball. He wants to coach, and he's a good person. And I knew the kids would love him. Uh, I knew he'd be great around here. So that was kind of a. That was an immediate uh, – that wasn't even a, a list at that point. You know, there was two guys on the list, and one was Glenn, who we were fortunate enough to get, and the other was Taj, who we were fortunate enough to get. Well, if he's not embarrassed enough to uh, speak with us now after hearing all that, but it's all true, and uh, we've been fortunate enough, Joe and I, to have been around Taj uh, since he arrived here on campus, and it's very clear to us as observers of this scene that everything you just said there is uh, is spot on. So, Taj, the question is, what were your plans when you got that phone call from Chris Casey? We, for those listeners who may not understand uh, what you had been doing, um, a year ago you were getting ready to play professional basketball in Australia, and you did that, yeah. and you had a good year, and you were back in the States and probably planning, you can take it from here, planning to go back and play professionally again overseas? Yeah, so I was basically doing the same thing every day. I was waking up, working out, getting my lifts in, running, and um, obviously, like, everything happened, and I I always knew, when I first came to Fairfield, I always knew, I was like, oh, like, I could see myself being a college basketball coach. Like, that's something I'd want to do. I'd want to coach. And um, when it when everything happened, like, I uh, and Coach Casey called me, I was like, yeah, I got to do this. This is like an amazing opportunity. And anybody that really knows me knows how much I love this place. So like I have an opportunity to come here, help the place that helped me so much. And I can coach with a true professional, my guy, Coach Case. Um, I jumped at it. So you said when you arrived at Fairfield as a player, you said I could see myself being a coach someday. A coach here at Fairfield or just a coach generally speaking? Um Coach, generally speaking, like I didn't know this would ever like happen. This is great, right. but like I always knew I was like, yeah, I want to be a Division One college basketball coach. Like that, this would be awesome. Like I love college basketball, love basketball, I and I want to coach at the best level I possibly could. So yeah, Chris, did uh, you see that in, in Taj? You already did indicate, yeah, you could you you saw that potential. But did you when you knew Taj even as a freshman here? At Fairfield, did you say this guy has exactly what it it takes to be a college basketball coach? Yeah, I, I always felt that because again, he loved the game. Um, you know, when you when you would when you would do scouts, which by the way, he always felt my scouts were too long. So, <laughs> you, know, you know, he's he's uh, but but he um, he always paid attention to scouts, the details and scouts. He he had his mind worked that way. You know, as a coach a coach's mind would work and um you know again his work ethic combined with how he loved the game and his actions showed that he loved the game 
I thought he'd be terrific. I thought it was a matter of time of him deciding when he wanted to stop playing and then go on to the next thing. I thought that that was what was going to determine when he started coaching. So you wake up every morning, Taj. <clears throat> I'm sure you don't have a list, but you have a list in your mind. What is your role? What is your priority? And I was at the shoot-around on Monday, and I saw that that was your scout. Mm-hmm. Yes. So how did you feel on the bench, you know, watching the game unfold and kind of your works put into it? So I kind of asked you a bunch of questions. What is your role, and how did you feel? Did you feel like a sense of responsibility, like I, I got to get this done? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I was coming in Coach Casey's office, like, in the days leading up to the game, I was in his office every day, like, Coach Case, I'm, I'm doing this right, right? Like, <laughs> Coach Case, good. I got this down, right? Yeah, this is correct. <laughs> but, um, yeah, on the bench, like, I am, my palms were more sweaty yep. as a coach than it was yep. ever when I was playing because, like, it's different. Like, when I'm on the court, you kind of feel like, okay, I know the scout. I've prepared all week. I have control over what's – I'm controlling what's going on out here. And when you're a coach, sometimes it's like, well – the players are the ones doing everything, you know what I mean? Sometimes, and uh, yeah, it, ju- it was just it was just different, you know. It's a different type of feeling, but I still get the same like you know the anxious like I'm I'm like jump I got my uh, dress shoes on and I'm jumping around like I'm about Good to play, thing. you know. So, um, well, what are different. some of your other responsibilities? Anything on the court and and even off the court? Is there study halls involved? Is there interaction with the players? Whatever. Uh yeah, so I have like a group of academic kids like guys on the team that I handle like academics for and then um as far as like on-court stuff I'm working guys out all the time like anybody that texts me calls me and says hey coach can we get a workout in I do that and then um as far as like scouts and stuff we break it up so like I have one-third of the scouts uh on the season who is the uh, Taj Benning on this team uh Chris was talking about how you almost didn't miss a single night of working with coach Casey on your shooting and improving your game. Who's the guy on this team right now that is uh, impressing you as somebody who has that same kind of a makeup? Um, as far as, like, work ethic-wise, i definitely say probably Bryson. Like, Bryson, all we talk about is basketball. He always wants to come in here and work out and stuff. He's texting me all the time, like, oh, like, let's work on this this time. Like, let's do this. What do you think we should work on? If we're on the road and we're getting shots up, like, he w- let's work on this. What do you think they're going to do tonight? Let's do this. So I definitely say Bryson. How hard is it so far to separate Taj the player from Taj the coach? Meaning a lot of these guys in the team are your peers, mm-hmm. uh, both age-wise. And I think you got, let's see, Jalen Leach and Jack Brown are the two guys in this team who are, who are teammates, correct? So how hard is it now to draw that line? Okay, I'm no longer – your, your pal you are their pal yeah yeah but yeah. it's different you're their coach now as well yeah I mean um it was it was probably weird like the first day maybe like you know when you walk in and they're like oh hey coach what's going on <laughs> you know that's kind of funny and it's weird they did like, give you a hard time they did that. a little bit great. like oh coach can I go get a drink like no like <laughs> yeah but um uh Jalen me and people don't know this but me and Jalen were actually high school teammates too Right. So, like, that's definitely weird. Like, yeah. uh, and Jalen's actually one of the guys that I um, have in my little academic group. And I call him in. And I'm like, yeah, like, let, let's see what you're doing class-wise. And he gives <laughs> me that look like, uh, <laughs> I know you, man. But, uh, yeah, uh, it, it wasn't – it's not that bad of a transition. The guys didn't make it too hard on me. It's not that bad. What's been the hardest single thing about adjusting to life as a coach? Albeit, you know, you 
been doing this literally just for a few weeks, but I'm sure there are some things that you're saying, wow, this is a little more difficult than I even imagined. Um, I, before my first practice, I said like, oh, like I'm going to be able to do this because when I was a player, I was talkative. Like I was always talking on defense. I was leading, like, you know, calling guys over, hey, we should have did this or uh, let's try this next time. So I was like, oh, talking is going to be easy. But that actually was the hardest thing, like finding my voice, like knowing when I can step in and say something. You know what I mean? And Coach Case, like the first thing he said to me was like, I'm not bringing you here just to be here. Like I want you to coach. Like like if you have something that wants to be that you need to say, say it. And he's like, I'll never – I'll never take that away from you. Mm -hmm. So um, that was the that's probably the hardest thing and just finding my spots. But I'm getting better at it. Like every practice, I feel like I'm getting better. I was looking at the roster of uh, your final um, Fairfield team. Uh, you and Jesus and Caleb Green, Jake Supreme, T.J. Long, pretty good team. How does that Fairfield team compare to the talent you're seeing right now on the floor for Fairfield? Um. Well, I'm really, really competitive. So obviously, I'm going to say if I'm playing in a game, I think we'd be pretty good. But uh, talent-wise, I love the guard play on this team. Like Jasper, Jalen, Bryson, um, and uh, Caleb Fields. Like I think the Mac. Everybody knows the Mac's about guard play. You have good guards, you'll be a good team. And I think the guard play is really, really good on this team. Um, we had a bunch of guys that can consistently make threes. Um, can take you off the dribble, and I think we're playing really fast. So, like, with the, the play style of this group, I think um, I think we're really good. I think we're very good. What You already mentioned Bryson. What other Fairfield player or players have you, like, connected with, coach to player, um, that let's say maybe it happened with you, there was somebody – a Fairfield player who reached out and kind of mentored you. Um, who have you connected with so far in your uh, couple of weeks as a coach? Honestly, I'd probably say James Johns, like James Johns Jr. Um, I've been getting in the gym with him. He texts, he's another one. He texts me all the time, like, let's work out. He's even, like, asked me about film sometimes. And, um, yeah, he he's one person that I've definitely been uh, working with and been around a lot. And, um I, he just has, like, there's something about him. Like, he just wants to be good. He wants to be successful. So um, it makes me even want to work with him even more. Great. Um, Chris, I have to ask you, um, is your coaching staff complete? You are, you know, in terms of numbers compared to where you had been before the changes, uh, you're, you have one fewer coach. Any plans to hire a coach, or are you going to go with what you've got? And I also will add that, you know, Joe and I go to practices, and um, I wanted to ask you about your dobo, and I might want to make sure I get the name pronounced correctly. It's Matt Knezevic. And uh, Yes, right, practice that <laughs> one. But you watch him in practice, and I want to ask you what a dobo was allowed to do in terms of coaching. But he has coaching experience, and he carries himself very well. Uh, when he's out there coaching, talking about uh, a scout. Uh, so two-part question again. Is the staff complete, and how does Matt play into what you're doing right now? So right now, Bob, I'm not entirely sure if we're going to bring a third coach on board. Um, that's yet to be determined, partially because of the time of the year we're in. 
you know, do you bring somebody in? Do you get them up to speed? Do you, you know, the, and then who's available? You know, most guys are coaching right now. They're sure. with their team. So that's a big part of it. I like the group we have a lot. Yeah. Uh, they're a hardworking group. I enjoy being around them and coaching with them. Uh, so that's kind of yet to be determined. I don't have, I don't, I'm not trying to be evasive, but I don't really have an answer on that sure. yet. Uh, as far as Matt goes, uh, Matt does an outstanding job. Uh, he's got experience coaching with, with rule changes. He's allowed to be on the floor and coach. He's got responsibilities during practice. He's going to do scouts like the rest of the guys do. Um, so he's fully involved as a full-time coach with us, and I want him to be. Um, you know, he and I will talk a little about offensive stuff. He'll always have an idea. Like, I like idea guys. He's got ideas. Um, so, yeah, he's been terrific for us. He's been terrific, and he's – he hasn't shied away from assuming more responsibilities without me even asking, yep. uh, which I think is big. You know, that, a lot of proactiveness in him. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't even know when league play starts, but it's the middle of January. Everything's going great. You realize that you, you're missing something from your staff. I, I'm not sure what your answer was. Do you have the ability to hire someone? Yeah, we, we've you talked do. about that. Yeah, okay. I do. I'm just not sure that we're going to go that route. Okay. Um, you told me the other night before the game against Mount St. Mary that you have two unofficial captains. You have good leaders in this team. Uh, the senior guys, uh, Caleb Fields, Jack Brown, uh, Bryson Goodine, Jalen Leach, these are all leaders. They're all your um, captains. But you mentioned that Louis Bleachmore and, and Jasper Floyd are kind of like your unofficial co-captains as well, uh, why don't you tell our listeners why uh, they have, um, what kinds of things they have done to make you approach them and tell them that that you know I almost consider you guys our unofficial co-captains. Yeah, well, what I said to him was this: you know, we, we um, as a group we elected captains. Um, I chose to go with the four oldest guys and four guys that were returning here. Uh, one because they deserved it. And, and two, I, I foresaw them doing a good job with it, um, or could foresee them, I should say, doing a good job with it, and they have. Uh, but I also think Louie and Jasper, both are new. They've done a really good job leading by example and also vocally on the court. And I, I wanted to make sure it was important to me that they continued to do that. Uh, even though they didn't have that title. So I brought him in and basically told him, you know, you guys are captains without being captains. I want you to keep doing what you're doing. It's helping your individual game, and it's helping our team. So just because you don't have that title doesn't mean you, you don't continue to lead. And I wanted to encourage them to do that and let them know that your time will come if you keep doing the same thing you're doing. But I need you to keep leading. I need you to keep being a captain without being a captain. And they were great with it. You know, they responded really well to it. I, I've been uh, saying this to a lot, to you and a lot of the coaches. I, I don't know how you guys do it now practicing in the summer, uh, but being able to practice in the summer and making that trip to Costa Rica kind of help you evaluate those two a little quicker than maybe normal in the past, correct? Correct. That helps. Absolutely. Yeah, it yeah. does because, you know, I we did that. It's funny. We did that same trip when I was at Niagara. And it helped us tremendously. We had a great year uh, following that trip. But the biggest thing, the trip was great. Don't get me wrong on that. But the best thing we got out of the trip was the 10 practices leading Mm -hmm. up to the trip. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. you know, because you can get some things in, you can get a head start, and you could see what some of the new guys are. Uh, so that that was really valuable. Three guys I wanted to ask you about as a group, Peyton Smith, Michael Rogan, and Matt Curtis, all first-time uh, Division One of Fairfield University players, um, getting a lot of minutes early in the season. What are the – Collect, what's the collective ceiling for those guys? Um, I mean, you've seen some good things from all of them. Yeah, they all three have, uh, I think, very good upsides to them. I think Peyton is a scratch in the surface. I think what Peyton's done over the last couple weeks uh, is his conditioning has gotten significantly better. Uh, he's getting up and down the floor better. He's reacting to things better. You know, I, I really think what's helped him, and, you know, I've always been an, an advocate of this, because we don't have a, a roster of big guys right now, it generally in practice you're splitting, you know, the bigger guys up for skill work, and then the guards are down the other end. Which well, we got all perimeter guys in him, so I wasn't going to put 15 guys down one end and he's going to do work by himself on the other end. So what I decided to do is just put him in the guard drills, and I've always been an advocate of that. I think that helps bigger guys. Mm -hmm even though they're not down around the basket handling the, the, the ball and and uh, doing guard work and changing direction and stopping and going, I think that helps your post work without doing post work because uh, it helps your footwork, it helps your reaction, it helps your hands, your handling of the basketball, you get comfortable with it. Uh, so I do think that that's helped this game. You've seen him a couple times now take the ball length to the floor with his left hand. Yep. Uh, finished one, I think, against B.C., um, and I think he just he, – did he have a finish against Mount? I don't he remember. Did. He definitely he had did with a the left hand. Against Mount with the left hand. Yep. So, And we do, if you watch us in practice early, we do a lot of full-court ball handling. Um, as far as Mike Rogan goes, Mike Rogan, uh, I've said this to people like last year, he's got a little Tyler Nelson in him. He reminds me of Tyler Nelson a little bit when Tyler was a freshman, and obviously Tyler progressed into an outstanding player. Uh, and I think Mike has that ability. You know, he's got a little bit of Tyler in him. He can handle the ball. He can shoot the ball. Uh, he's got a great basketball IQ. Uh, he's got to turn the ball over less. That's something that we talk about. You can't, like, Mike, uh, uh, my only the thing I tell Mike is he's an, I didn't show you this one yet guy. You know, like, he wants to show you something else. And I'm trying to say, hey, stay basic. You know, you'll progress to those things as you mature as a player. Right now, do what you do. Make open shots, uh, shot fake guys and get in the lane, you know, and move the ball side to side, you know, and stick to basics. Um, so I think he has a very good future. And Matty Curtis, right now, Matty is, he's had more basketball thrown at him in the last three weeks than probably his entire life. Um, and, uh, and he's just, right now, he's just trying to absorb it all. Uh, and the one thing I really like about Matt, he is not afraid. He's not afraid. Um, he will shoot the ball, he will drive the ball, he will try to make plays, uh, and I want him to do that. Uh, and I like the fact that he doesn't have a fear of, he, he's not cautious. I'd rather have to try to reel a guy back than try to amp yep. him up, you know. So I, I think he's, as he learns what we're doing and and gets used more used to the speed of play at Division One. I, I think he's going to be a good player. So you go uh, to Philadelphia this weekend, 
games uh, back-to-back. Let me ask Taj, uh, you have a scout for either uh, Drexel or Queens? No, neither of those are mine. Okay. So I'll have to ask, uh, uh, Chris, when I ask you about the opponent, I know you're going to say you're more, con- you know, Fairfield, mm-hmm. Fairfield, Fairfield. But you got Drexel looking at you. Um, the challenges of this particular game and actually the challenges of playing back-to-back, it, which is a nice warm-up for you know, hopefully a long run in Atlantic City in March. But uh, just as you approach Philadelphia, what are the things besides getting some some wins here that are uh, you consider the biggest uh, boxes you want to check off? Well, Drexel's very good. We opened with them on Friday. Um, they're picked in the top third of their league. They return everybody, and they have the preseason player of the year in Amari Williams. So uh, I think they're a very good team. I got a chance to watch them. Uh, against LaSalle and their opener uh, on film. I watched their uh, Winthrop game, uh, which they won down at Winthrop by two, and they lost, uh, I think it was by two or three, to uh, Temple last night. Yep. I've watched a little bit of that film. i got to get more into it. Uh, they're solid. They're older. They're a very physical team. Uh, they they play at uh, at at the pace, a pace that they want. They don't slow down, but they're going to be – somewhat methodical with what they do. Um, we're going to have to do a good job on Amari Williams, uh, try to limit his touches in the post, maybe do some things to make him give the ball up so he's not operating down there one-on-one. Uh, Justin Moore, who's their point guard, he's a sophomore. He's he's very quick, fast, and and uh, and he's a good he's good at getting in the lane and making plays. Um, so we got to do a good job of, of guarding him off ball screens. Uh, and then they have, you know, a bunch of guys who are really like, you know, wings. Uh, a couple of them can shoot it. A couple of them are very good driving the ball. But they're all physical uh, with good size. So we got to make sure we keep those guys in front of us. We're not getting ripped and driven. Uh, and we know who the shooters are. So we're out on certain guys that can shoot the ball. Uh, and then, of course, you got to rebound. Everybody's got to rebound the basketball. Uh, so those are kind of the things we're looking at, you know, with Drexel. As far as back-to-back goes, I mean, I'm fine with back-to-back. Uh, I, I think we have multiple bodies that can play, yeah. you know, so I, I think we'll be okay with back-to-backs. Um, you know, so that that doesn't bother me, you know, having to worry about uh, playing Friday night and then playing on yeah, Saturday. Actually, uh, the way things look so far this season, especially with uh, Caleb back and Jalen back, uh, that plays to your strength. You definitely have a lot of, uh, I think it's, Stating the obvious here, there's a lot of depth on this team. So hopefully that uh, works to your advantage this weekend. What are we pushing there, Wyatt? Uh, We're getting close to an hour. Uh, We've never hit an hour. So Uh, that'll eventually uh, be Todd's goal. (laughs) 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 Got to bring more questions next time, Joe. We'll get to that hour. (laughs) But anyway, uh, Coach, as always, thanks for the time. Uh, Good luck uh, this weekend in Philadelphia. And Taj, uh, congratulations. Thank Uh, you. Best of luck. We know you're going to knock it out of the park in the the next phase of your professional career. Thank you. That'll do it for this edition of Open Court with Fairfield Coach Chris Casey. Next up for the Stags, that trip to Philadelphia for the Market Street Challenge. That'll be games against Drexel this Friday, November 17th. And then a first-ever matchup against Queens University. They're out in Charlotte, North Carolina. They're an Atlantic Sun team. That game is on Saturday, November the 18th. Stag's next home game 
It's the day after Thanksgiving, Friday, November 24th. Stags will take on New Hampshire that day in Mahoney Arena. Then, believe it or not, it'll be time to get ready for the start of the MAC season, which is what we'll do when our next podcast drops around November 29th. That's a few days before the MAC opener, December 1st, against Iona at Mahoney. So for Chris Casey and our special guest, Taj Benning, and for the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis, and our podcast engineer, Wyatt Dossie, I'm Bob Huesler. Thanks for listening to Open Court.